the Chicago Foundation for Women does that work all year round, and they have just released the second edition of its annual report on the status of Chicago's women and girls. The report uses 2016 data from the U.S. Census and the Illinois Department of Public Health to track the Chicago region's progress towards gender equity, and I can't think of anyone better to join me than Kyle and Sebastian from the Chicago Foundation for Women. Kyle Ann, how are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. This is exciting. Um, I... I was looking at this. I'm like, oh, the status of Chicago's women and girls. Well, I mean, some are married, some are single. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think that's what we're talking about today. This is the second annual report. So it's great to have some growth to look at. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tell me what the the impetus for, for taking a look at these hard statistics was for this foundation? Absolutely. So this report is part of Chicago Foundations for Women 100% Project, which is an all-in, all-out effort to achieve gender equity in the Chicago region uh, within a generation. And that's a that's a big goal. That's an audacious yeah. goal, and we know that. Um, and it also raises the question, what does equity mean and equity for who? Um, because you can say that, but if you don't have the numbers to back it up and a sense of where we're at now, then I don't I don't know that it means very much. Um, and, and equity for some women, as we see in this report, is not the same as equity for other women. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this report on the status of Chicago's women and girls looks at a handful of indicators that were originally identified by the McKinsey Global Institute as being really key to achieving women's equity um, in workforce, um, in communities, and in homes. Um, so that means that women are able to support themselves and their families. They're able to live safely in healthy communities. Um, so this report looks at Chicago's uh, workforce participation among women, mm-hmm. um, higher education, women in caregiving, female-headed households, violence against women, teen birth rate, all that good stuff um, to kind of give us a sense of where we're at and where we really need to put more resources. Now, fingers crossed that since last year's report, we actually see some forward progress and no regression. Am I right? Or yes. are you about to crush yes, yes. my dreams? No, no. Well, uh, <laughs> let me hedge that. <laughs> like everything now, there is good news and bad news. The good news is we did see some movement. Um, it is very slight movement, but you know, uh, all forward movement is movement. Yeah. We saw an increase in women's labor force participation by a little bit, uh, 0.9% is the ratio compared to men. Mm-hmm. Um, so you almost have a full woman oh, yay, for every man. Oh, closer than we've ever been. <laughs> and an increase in women in professional and technical jobs, which means like management positions and those industries that we kind of think of like technology and lawyers and doctors. Um, and a little bit of increase in women's corporate leadership. Uh, women are still kicking butt at college, uh, graduating at rates higher than men. And Illinois is in the top um, 10 states for women's political representation in legislature. Mm -hmm. And because this is looking at 2016 data, uh, half of all of the executive offices in Illinois, so thinking about those kind of six at the top of Illinois state government, are women. And two of them are women of color. Uh, The Where I hedge is this year we broke down um, some of the statistics by race and ethnicity Mm -hmm. because we know that women are not just women. They live complex lives, and those lives are impacted by race and ethnicity, um, especially in a city like Chicago. And when we look at some of these indicators by race and ethnicity, we see a very, very different picture. Um, We see that 
for some women of color, things are less, um, are much farther from where they need to be. Mm. We know that uh, black women and Latina women are not graduating from college at the same rates as white and Asian women. Um, and we know that they are not represented in the workforce or in um, certain fields to the same degree that white women and white men are. So for Chicago Foundation for Women, that just means that uh, we recognize that there's a really strong need to focus resources and support on women of color, especially black and brown women in Chicago, in terms of getting them the resources and support that they need so that they can succeed. And when we say equity, we mean equity for all women. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I sitting here talking about these numbers is great, and getting those numbers out there is great. But are, are people who have the ability to uh, progress these numbers forward, the ability to do more hiring, the ability to help women get in college. Uh, are they looking at these numbers and, and maybe, I don't know, doing something about it? We certainly hope so. Um, and that's something that we're, we're looking at right now is how we get this report in front of folks that can see it um, or that can do something about it. Uh, so CFW has some... Um, corporate partners, we have our male champions of change who are men that are committed to championing gender equity in their workplace, and we'll certainly be making sure that they get a copy of the report and a lot of other are, of our friends and supporters in Chicago's corporate and civic community. It's 828. You're listening to The Morning Amp, powered by Vocalo. I'm Jill Hopkins. It's Feminist Wednesday. Joining me from the Chicago Foundation for Women is Kyle and Sebastian. We're getting into the numbers of Chicago or their annual report on the status of Chicago's women and girls. Now, do you have other cities and states numbers to compare us to? Are we beating them? <laughs> are we winning? So the other cities and states we have are from 2015, mm -hmm. and Chicago was about in the middle of the pack. Um, so average, which to me is not Chicago. Um, I, I want to see us leading the pack. Yeah. Um, and especially, I don't know, this just brings out my regional competition, but like we should definitely be beating Milwaukee. Like, come on. <laughs> I, Maybe I I'm mean, just bitter about baseball still. It's okay. Uh, I understand uh, the, the life of a Cubs fan is, is, is a tough road to hoe. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the feature profiles uh, in in this report. Yes. Uh, there's some great women, some some uh, familiar names, I think, to some folks who pay attention to the activism that a lot of Chicagoans do. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah. Um, so I have a feeling the familiar name you're thinking of is Melissa Josephs from Women Employed, who is everywhere and she is everywhere. everything. <laughs> um, so we featured this year some of the Chicago Foundation for Women's Partners who are working on the ground because um, in addition to research, CFW is a grant-making entity, and we are really proud to invest in the women and girls that are doing great things in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So the report features profiles on Warehouse Workers for Justice, which is a group um, that organizes workers in Chicago's warehouse industry, which is growing all the time. Yeah. Every time we get another Amazon distribution center, that's more warehouse worker jobs. Yeah. Um, and a good chunk of those, I think, so 25,000 of the roughly 150,000 warehouse workers in the Chicago region are women. Um, so the report features a woman named Bernadette, who is a leader in the Warehouse Workers for Justice Women's Committee, organizing women around sexual harassment, workplace discrimination, and pregnancy discrimination, um, and really doing the on-the-ground organizing to make workplaces better and fairer for all women. Awesome. Um, some of the other features that I really love are 
Center for Advancing Domestic Peace. And we talked a lot. We've talked a lot about the workforce component. um, But the report also looks at violence against women, looking specifically at domestic violence and incidents of rape. Um, And what we saw is that those held pretty much steady. Um, The the data we have is reports per 100,000 women in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just reported incidents. And what we know from uh, Department of Justice data is that 44%, 44%, nearly half of victims of domestic violence don't report. Mm. So you can take this number and pretty safely almost double it. Yeah. Um, and one of the organizations profiled in the report is Center for Advancing Domestic Peace, which I really love because they take um, what I think is is a pretty unique perspective, but one that is really uh, key to actually ending violence against women is they work with men who have and other folks that have perpetrated violence. Um, And I think that's where a lot of the solution to domestic violence really lies, is with folks that have perpetrated abuse and working with them to recognize um, the harm that they're causing and develop strategies and ways for them to live their lives so that, you know, they are safe and the people around them are safe. Um, And they run um, a group of men that get together weekly or every other week and talk about what's going on in their lives and hold each other accountable um, and develop good communication skills and de-escalation skills and how you can just like, I mean, none of us, or at least I, didn't have like a healthy relationship class mm-hmm. yeah. growing up. No, no. That, that, I, those words were never even in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so having a resource for folks that maybe grew up in households where healthy relationships weren't modeled, um, I think is really helpful. And and is doing the work of recognizing that uh, folks aren't, people aren't born bad. Hmm. And there's something that can be done to allow people to live in community without, and I think about this a lot with Me Too, and we've talked, this has been in the news ad nauseum, is Mm -hmm. that when folks cause harm, for better or for worse, they don't just disappear. There's not like an island of misfits to send them to. So like, Figuring out a way that folks can make amends and change their behavior, I think, is really key. And then fold back into society and, and maybe make it better than it was when they got there. Yeah, ideally. Kyle Ann, this is so wonderful to hear these numbers, and I think that it's going to be really helpful for folks to have actual data to point to. Uh, you can get your hands on that data at cfw.org. I mentioned earlier that this is work that you all do all year round. Can you, before we let you go, what is the Chicago Foundation for Women working on for the rest of 2018? Oh my gosh, yeah, we've got a big 2018. So Giving Tuesday is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and for folks that aren't familiar, Giving Tuesday is a now global day of giving. It's after, you know, Cyber Monday. Yeah, right? that sounds Sorry. right. <laughs> I'm clearly a huge shopper. I love the deals. It's after Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and now Giving Tuesday. Yeah. And it kicks off the giving season. Um, and... This year, CFW is making a special Giving Tuesday grant, and we're looking for new creative and innovative ideas um, for gender equity in the Chicago region. So we're asking folks to submit uh, videos with their $10,000 ideas to make Chicago better for women and girls. And then we're going to be asking the community to check out some of those ideas and vote for who they think uh, would make the best use of a $10,000 
investment from Chicago Foundation for Women. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that information. And for more of it, go to cfw.org. Kyla and Sebastian, you're the best.